Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and I have a couple of great guests coming on today. We have Fred Schofield, who is the author of a brand new book, actually two brand new books, called A Run to Hell and the Boardwalkers, which deals with the death of Princess Grace, uh, Princess Grace Kelly, who is actually supposed to be uh, an accident, a, a car accident that killed her, but he says it was murder. So we're going to learn a little bit about that, and we're going to be talking to Dr. Drayvon James. She is going to be talking to us about finding peace and happiness in troubling times, which we are all living in right now. So hopefully their advice will help us get through this little situation. So let's get it started. You're about to enter a world of creativity and mingle with people that follow their dreams to color your world and brighten your day. From top celebrities to rising stars of tomorrow on the AME Radio Show. The show that is the voice of artists and entertainers everywhere. Now, here is your host, Jason Dowd. Hey everybody, so what a show I got for you. I'm really excited to be able to talk about art, music, and entertainment and everything in between. But we're also, like I said, going to be giving you some advice on how to get through this humdrum negativity that's all around us. Now, last week was really, really tough. I have been having a really tough couple months, and I know we all have. So what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to focus on music today. I'm not going to talk to you too much because, honestly, my brain is fried. I am I am so dra- drained from everything that's happened to me. There's been so much death, so much destruction, so much hate, so much negativity that I kind of need a chance to recharge myself. One of the best ways to do that is music. So After our our interviews, we're going to have a little bit of... We're just going to close out the show with some music, and I hope that you guys will enjoy that. Uh, We're going to find uplifting, positive songs that will hopefully spark some little magic inside your heart and your soul and your brain and help us change the outlook of what we're doing right now. Okay, so before we get into our first guest, which we have Fred Schofield on the line waiting for us, we are going to uh, tell you to go check out our website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. While you're there, check us out, because that is the AME Experience, radio, television, and magazine. And you can sign up for our newsletter, download our apps for our Apple or, or Android platform completely free, and so much more. You can also go to our social media links, which are on there, and that will take you to be a part of the conversation as well. So if you want to be on the show, let us know. We will try our best to get you on as soon as possible. Okay, so I'm going to take a quick commercial break right now. When we come back, we have Fred waiting for us to talk to us about his brand new books and tell us how Grace Kelly was actually murdered and not an accident like she said. All right, we'll be back in just a second. Don't go anywhere. I'm Gladdy the Dachshund, the face of Gladdy's goodies. Are you worried about your pet's health? My parents were too, especially since I developed pancreatitis. They couldn't find any treats I could eat, so they made some. Our natural treats are healthy for all dogs, with and without health issues. We have lots of delicious flavors like chicken, turkey, salmon, sweet potato, beef, and more. With our homemade treats, you won't worry about the contents because they have no chemicals, fillers, or bad ingredients. Go to gladdiesgoodies.com now to get your fur friend a bag and pick them up some swag while you're there. You'll be glad you did. Remember, we have the treats and swag to make their tails wag. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Hey everyone, it's Lou Lambros from Stuck in the Middle, and you are listening to AME Radio Show. Hey everybody, we have on the line with us a special guest. He's an author of the books called The Boardwalkers and A Run to Hell. His name is Fred Schofield. We are going to talk to him about these books. We're going to learn a little bit about him, how he got into writing, and so much more. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Fred? Terrific. Frederick Schofield, and that'll work fine. <laughs> ready to go. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. I love everybody's story because, you know, everybody has a dream. 
everybody tries to go for it, but some people fall short. Now, you were able to accomplish that dream. You became a writer, and your your story can help inspire other people to follow whatever their dream they they may have. So tell me when you got interested into writing, and what made you go for it? Here we go. I have some stories to tell, and it's the love of storytelling that brings the stories alive. I began uh, my life as a U.S. Marine, and I also practiced law for about uh, 40 years. Mm-hmm. I've got benefits from both of them that brought this to life. In terms of what I did in the practice of law, I represented for a lot of years more sex workers in Atlantic City than any other lawyer, which meant at the time, and we're going back to the 90s, that I represented more ladies and gentlemen of the street than any lawyer in the world. Wow. That grows to a story called the boardwalkers, but also there's another story out there that I think your listeners will like called A Run to Hell. That story comes to life because I know how Grace Kelly, an Academy Award winning actress, best actress, mm-hmm. and the Princess of Monaco as she later became, died. I know that story because my father grew up next door to Grace and was the same age. Oh, wow. My uncle, who was the younger brother of my dad, who grew up next door, of course, to Grace and her brother, who was my uncle's age, uh, who later became a Philadelphia city councilman and president of the U.S. Olympic Committee. He was killed on the same day another Kelly relative was killed for knowing too much about Grace Kelly's death. Those stories make it into what my book is, A Run to Hell. The story that of that book uh, tells the story of uh, Lee Gunther, a Philadelphia lawyer, and Jamie Calero, who is a immigrant who also becomes, after she becomes a United States citizen, an FBI special agent to deal with somebody called, well, from the, from Panama, uh, Manuel Noriega, who becomes the dictator and best known killer in the Western Hemisphere mm-hmm. during his time of life. He was connected to the Medellin, uh, drug cartel. In any event, uh, background leads me to the, the story. And I'm delighted to tell why. I can go back, if you'd like, to what happens in a run to hell. Well, let's talk. I'm a, uh, quick, go ahead. Let's talk about the boardwalkers first, because uh, I know this is one of the All first, right. the first thing that we have. Well, well since you got two books here, and we're going to be talking about both of them. Let's kind of break them down into each one of them. So, t- um. I, I, that's really an interesting background that you had, that you actually were a uh, lawyer for a lot of, um, you know, street street uh, walkers. And um, how did you get into that? It's kind of easy. I handled one case in Atlantic City mm-hmm. for a woman charged with seven different counts of prostitution. I managed to get her off on all of them. Wow. And by your third count, you have mandatory jail sentencing. She was probably looking at seven years for doing that kind of work in a town at that time in life that prospered off of prostitution. You take a look at um, Vegas. You take a look at Atlantic City back in the 90s. Vegas was known as a town mm-hmm. where prostitution was illegal, but you could find it legally outside the municipality, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and find it easily. New Jersey, at that time, had no legal place for that area of interest for people who gambled in Atlantic City. However, the streets of Atlantic City were so filled with practitioners of the trade that they had the building that was a uh, former Shriners mosque just to house the people that would be arrested on a Friday or Saturday night. Whoa. I picked up that business 
I was good at that. Whole things to be good at. Uh, I seem to be good at that. And as a result of that, I represented one lady or one gentleman of the night for about five years, uh, making me the person that you would go to for that line of work if you needed a defense. I can recall being called at 3.30 in the morning to get people out of jail. I can recall having people uh, business managers, we don't call pimps uh, pimps in the business, we call them business managers. I can recall business managers showing up at my office at 4 in the morning to get their clients out of uh, jail, which we would do quickly and promptly. Um, it worked. It was a thing that uh, put two children through uh, private schools. It was a thing that seemed to happen at the time. Was it a good thing or a bad thing? I didn't really take into account what the morals were at the time. I know that the ladies of the street and the gentlemen of the street who were arrested in Atlantic City made a tour. They made a tour of three different towns. They would first go to Atlantic City. They would next go to Vegas. They would next go to Honolulu. And they would rotate. And they would know it was time to rotate when times got too tough upon arrest. I had a sister who also practiced law in Honolulu. So I told Wendy, do this. I'm going to send you some people who are my clients. And they're good people. Many of them were. These were people sometimes in desperate situations and sometimes not who engaged in that profession. Uh, but they would get arrested. And once it became hot in any one community, meaning vice cops knew them on site, they would move on to the next community. Mm-hmm. And when they got to Hawaii, I recommended Wendy, my sister, as the attorney that they would go to to handle their case and get them out of trouble. I one day got a call from a young lady from uh, my neighborhood in Atlantic City who had gone to Hawaii and uh, received a call from her, and she said, Mr. Schofield, we can no longer go to your sister in Hawaii. She's trying to cure us all. And at that point in time, I took a look at myself and said, you know what? Maybe I should be trying to cure them all, too. So there was a change of pace, change of functions in the law practice, and we went on and did other things. But the result of that, Knowing what happens in Atlantic City and knowing the history of that town and knowing the mafia in that town because I knew the mafia from Philadelphia, which I guess we're going to get into. But, uh, I understood how we should change that. I walked out of that area of my law practice, but I have stories to tell from that area that make it into the boardwalk. So... Being inspired by some of the the, um, the situations and the people you ran into, why did you decide to write the book, and and what's the book uh, based upon? I mean, obviously we know the the what the the plot is, but uh, what are some of the characters, and and how did how what's the the goal of this particular book? The Boardwalkers tells the story of a mob lawyer, which I was, and. A mafia boss. The story talks of the relationships. The story talks about love. The story talks about how love sometimes uh, falls into place in this unique atmosphere. And the story talks about how you can walk in and walk out of this alive. Now, the other story, the story that we haven't broached really the run to hell story mm-hmm. it talks about the murder of princess grace of monaco which happened some years ago but if you look up grace kelly on websites you'll find the reader's digest article on 11 unanswered reasons that grace kelly was killed if you look that article up and read it you'll discover that a run to hell by meaning Frederick Schofield answers all of those 11 reasons and tells more. It also tells why 
Manuel Noriega, who was the subject of Operation Just Cause, a U.S. military operation that invaded Panama, why that happened and how that happened. The story has been, I've been lucky. I've had good reviews that have talked about the wonderful relationships between people relationships where sometimes love is involved beyond lust. I've been lucky to have those kinds of reviews. Mm -hmm. And the story is told in a way that lets you know the story behind the story. The story, A Run to Hell, is based on live stories of a number of people or true to life. Manuel Noriega, who is drug certified. Not only was he drug certified, he was prosecuted in two different federal districts in Florida for being tied to the cartel in Colombia, the drug cartel in Colombia. It also ties Grace Kelly, who was a, um, as I mentioned earlier, a recipient of the Best Actress Award, uh, the Academy Award, who married a prince in Monaco that talks about why and how Grace Kelly was killed by the Mafia. Not only the Nice Mafia from France, but also in connection with the Philadelphia Mafia family. Mm-hmm. And it's fine to Philadelphia because there were figures in Philadelphia that were also murdered along with Grace. Her brother, Jack Kelly Jr., was murdered on the same day, 10 blocks and six hours away from the murder of Grace's brother-in-law. My story explains how, explains why, and it also explains why I attended the funeral just outside of Philadelphia of Grace's brother and uh, her brother-in-law. Well, anyway. Um, it, it, just to get going on here. No, just just to get on, to, just to uh, kind of like bring back for some people that may not know how she died. She died in a car crash. Am I am I not mistaken? And did they also just consider it like uh, a, an accidental car crash? Is that how they originally yeah, uh, set here, it up? Here's how it goes. You're absolutely correct. Here's how it goes. You can go on. on I, I would say the best place to go online would be Frederick dash scofield.com there you'll find an article from Luther's Digest that explains how Grace Kelly died by driving off a place called the Moyenne Corniche this was a beautiful location Grace Kelly was an actress who won, not only won the Academy Award but was known for a number of great roles including one with Carrie Grant Corn to catch a thief, which was filmed in Monaco. She died years later after she married the, the prince of Monaco. And in fact, I can recall the marriage itself where Philadelphia paparazzi uh, showed up to interview both Grace and her husband uh, the Prince of Monaco, Prince Rainier, and the basic talk at that particular uh, interview was, you know what? He's basically pity high. Um, in any event, Grace married a prince, went to Monaco, and then took on a mob, the mafia mob of Nice. East France, and the story itself will go through that story. That's not the basis of uh, full story. Full story is really about a mob lawyer named Lee Gunther and his paramour, girl named well, that girl that you'll find in the story, who grow up in Panama. There are some unique combinations here. And 
the story comes together basically through or is approved by uh, a mob guy who is framed in, in my websites or websites that talk about my stories uh, Joey A he was actually called Fat Joey A up in Mary. Fat Joey A who verifies the the truth of these stories. Fat Joey A was a guy who was one of the biggest bookmakers in the United States during the short term of his life. They grew short because he ultimately died after serving a fifth of prison term. But Fat Joey A was able to verify Freddie, these stories are true, and here's how I know. Fat Joey A used to tell me, and he served a number of prison terms, and his prison term was a federal prison term, where he complained, Freddie, I can't go on like this. I remember being in the federal prison. They made me friggin' walk around. They made me walk around all over the place. I said, Joey, you're 400 pounds. They're trying to keep you alive, right? I said, no, you try to kill me. Fat Joey was able to verify the stories from the people in you know, I said, is it okay that I write these stories? Because it all falls back on the Philadelphia Mafia named people that I've identified in that story. And Joey A told me, Freddy, who the fuck? I've heard the UDF cares. They're all dead. So I kept the story as it was. I also did not write the story that Joey A wanted me to write. Uh, he had a story about his life. And it was a remarkable life. You know, we all have, we all have thoughts about who are the heroes. Who are the heroes in our life? Who have done something that, that interests me enough that I want to know more? This is one of the guys. He never got out of high school. But Joey A was a guy who became quite wealthy. When he died, he had nothing left. Because you have to understand that everybody in the mafia, everybody connected with that, does not have a pension plan. None of them think about it. Joey A would tell me, you know, I used to go out for $5,000 dinner. I did that regularly. None of those people are alive now, and I've got nothing to go back on. They're all gone. But you know what? I don't care. The life I led is the life I wanted. And I spoke at Joey's funeral. Uh, people realized that I knew him well, and he was a family invited me to come in. I can remember talking about Joey. And it was sad. It was really sad yeah, in so many ways. But it was also so delightful because the life that he led was such an exciting life. Most of us don't have the life that those people have. Hmm. Well, uh, we are unfortunately running out of time. i got about another three minutes left. So... What I would love for you to be able to do is tell everybody where they can where they can actually get these books, where they can contact you, and if they have any questions, I'm sure you'd be happy to answer them. Here's where to go if you'd like to follow Frederick Schultz. And I recommend that you do. Look up my website, please, frederickschultzfield.com. Find the uh, links to the stories. You'll find where the stories are. And I think if you bother, if you'd like to read, you'll be entertained. Now, you also have your books on other platforms too, like Amazon and, and uh, Barnes and Noble and stuff like that, right? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here talking about some of these amazing stories. I didn't know that, um, that Grace Kelly was actually murdered. And it's it's a very interesting thing for me because throughout all this entire time, I thought it was simply a, uh, a simple car accident, and which is what I think a lot of these things are being made out to be just, you know, because of who they are. So 
um, I'm really excited to, to see the story myself, and I hope that I'll have I'll help that I'll be able to get this uh, really soon. And also, people will also check this out as well. So, thank you for coming on and being a great guest, telling us these stories, and I wish you all the best. I hope you find uh, some readers, and I hope to find people who like these stories. I think you will. Um, Frederick Schofield, Arunda Helm, and the Boardwalker. And guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We've got to pay some bills, but we'll be right back in about three minutes. Don't go anywhere. I'm Gladdy, the dachshund, the face of Gladdy's goodies. Are you worried about your pet's health? My parents were too, especially since I developed pancreatitis. They couldn't find any treats I could eat, so they made some. Our natural treats are healthy for all dogs, with and without health issues. We have lots of delicious flavors like chicken, turkey, salmon, sweet potato, beef, and more. With our homemade treats, you won't worry about the contents because they have no chemicals, fillers, or bad ingredients. Go to gladdiesgoodies.com now to get your fur friend a bag and pick them up some swag while you're there. You'll be glad you did. Remember, we have the treats and swag to make their tails wag. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Hola, this is Lisette Diaz from the Sweet Lizzie Project, and I'm very, very excited to share with you my new music. The new record of the band Technicolor is going to be out February 21st, and you can get it on every digital uh, store, and you can call your um, local record store and get the record. I hope you love it. Uh, thank you so much. Hey, I'm Michael Rosander, and you're listening to the AME Radio Show. everybody welcome back to the show i have a very special return guest last time we had her on it was a lot of fun we learned a lot of stuff and i wanted to bring her back on again i know she has a lot of stuff to talk about and we're going to be talking about specifically the mindset to create peace in a turbulent environment today but that doesn't mean that's what we're limited to and uh you know we are living in a very turbulent time right now and it is hard to just maintain peace i mean the depression that people are going through this is tough so we have Dr. Drayvon James coming on, and we're going to be talking about all this and how to stay positive in a bad situation. Welcome to the show, Dr. Drayvon. How are you doing today? I am wonderful, Jason. It's so good to be here with you. Well, I'm glad you're here with me. And, you know, like I said, I saw a couple of things come through um, my uh, inbox, and of course, you know, uh, all of them are, are very pertinent to the to the topics we're, we're, we're dealing with today. But... You know, this one is pretty impressive. I mean, we're living in a tough time. It's, I've been seeing a lot more depression coming across the boards. I'm seeing people uh, losing faith and uh, some people just giving up. And I know that's not the best thing to do right now. So let's talk a little bit about that. How do we, how do we achieve the mindset we need to stay focused, positive, and continue through this very difficult time? Oh, Jason, that is such a great question. And I... So starting at the beginning of what Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James is really all about, I got to tell you and remind you about our definition of peace is wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. And that is really a comfort during times like this because we look at our world and we say, oh my gosh, it's broken, right? We got a pandemic, we got social injustices, we got all this brokenness, but if we look at the fact that whatever is currently occurring in life, whatever it is, these, these external things that we that we as individuals say, you know what, if I was in a room and I could pick circumstances, I would not pick these circumstances. So we know that these things are occurring and we didn't necessarily choose them. Okay. Right. That means that it's part of the journey. Right? It's just part of the journey. It doesn't mean it's the end of the journey. It, we just accept that this is part of what? the whole picture. Mm -hmm. This is part of the whole picture. And then that leaves us with 
the next question is how what is my what is my role in this if, if this is a movie in a, in a, or a theatrical performance right then what is my role here and that is when we start really getting into the power place our, our, our power position is that there's a, there's a lot of things happening on the screen but what's my role my role here is to is to let go of the past stand in the present moment in service to myself meaning finding my higher my higher good and in service to my community how can i do that mm-hmm. when we get busy thinking like that it sparks our curiosity right and then it pulls us out of this Woe is me. This is too heavy. I can't handle it all. I can't hold it all because we're not meant to handle it all or hold it all. None of us. We all play our small part in this, but all of the parts are essential. All the roles are essential. Just you holding the space for what it is that Jason does. Drayvon holding the space for what it is Drayvon does. And, and sort of having this tunnel vision, right? Because if our, if our scope gets too wide, we get overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. That happens to all of us. I woke up one day. It was, and I, I think I put a poster. I hope I posted it. I posted it somewhere. I woke up one day. It was before six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, maybe two or three weeks ago, with this sense of overwhelmness, and I was just in dread. And I didn't move. I just lay there in the bed. And I reminded myself of you know key points, how to breathe, and you know my place in this, in holding this space. And I was able to close my eyes and go back to sleep. But it was this. You know, we're all feeling this energy. We had to keep regrounding ourselves. Yeah, that's true. And grounding is very important. I, I know many times I've had to even just go outside and sit there with my bare feet against the, the earth just to be oh. able to feel like I had some type of energy re- brought back to me. And I've kind of adapted the, the mentality that I'm only, I'm only going to worry about and concern myself about the things I can control because there's a lot of stuff I can't. So to sit there and work myself up to the point of depression over something I cannot control, it's stupid. But I know that, you know, I, I, there's, like you said, there's so many things out there. There's social injustice, there's the, uh, there's the uh, pandemics, there's, uh, you know, economic crises going on because of both of these things. And, you know, I, I kind of got myself thrown into one of these things because I woke up one day and according to, you know, you know all these social media, be, just because of the fact of my, the color of my skin, I have a white privilege, I'm a white supremacist, I'm a racist, I'm a bigot. And um, my life doesn't matter. And I'm like, wow, I don't even know how that came about. But they kind of threw me into it, you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to I'm trying to stay positive because I have always been for everybody that needs my help. I would drop everything and do what I needed to do. And I would lay my life down for anybody that needed my that was a friend to me and needed my needed my support. So how I got how I got wrapped up into that, I don't know. But I'll tell you, it really took a toll on me. It got to the point where I'm like, why am I living? If this is who I am and this is what everybody perceives me as, why am I doing this? Yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. We're living in really heavy times. And I love your point about going outside of your bare feet. And I don't want to drop that point because that's huge. Like someone may say, oh, yeah, that's, you're, when, you, when you touch the earth with your bare feet, and you, you know, you're, that what happens is automatically you start balancing things in, in your mind, your soul, on this really cellular level, mm-hmm. you start to recalibrate and balance. And so that's so necessary. And a lot of what we are experiencing as a human race, and not only in our country, but in the world, is an imbalance because we are not grounded on the earth. And there are so yeah. many things separating us from the earth, right? Like the shoes that we wear, the cars that we drive. You know, on any given day, I would challenge some of your listeners right now to say, at any point today, have have you interacted with the earth, mm-hmm. your bare hands, your your feet? Have you interacted with the earth? And we need that. That is what grounds us. That and this in, this important thing here that I I can't not not say is our heartbeat, which is like a beacon. It's a call, right? Mm-hmm. It's a call to the earth. It's a call. It's a, it's a beat within when it's in rhythm. It calls each and every one of us united. It does. But, but we are so removed from our heartbeat because you'd have to be in this space. We'll call it meditation. We'll call it prayer, whatever you want to call it. The best thing to call it in my mind is the silence. We have to be comfortable enough just to sit in silence. The best place to sit in silence is on the earth. Yeah. And let, let that beacon, that call, you don't have to control your heartbeat, right? Your heartbeat, it does what it does. It calls what it needs. And 
when we reconnect, this is how we find and reconnect to peace in the midst of what looks like chaos. It looks like it's chaos. It looks like it's random. It never is, but we're looking with these limited um, eyes that we have. Right? And so all of this is not getting caught up into ego because ego really has such a large voice. Mm-hmm. Ego is so powerful, right? It, it's the thing that says kill or be killed. Yeah. Right? And it's in every, it's in every last one of us. It says in this moment, you have two choices. You can die or you can survive. And it's up to us in our consciousness to remind the ego, no, I got a third choice here. I can choose love. And let the universe do what it needs to do in all things. And that's, that's a really deep but very simplistic thinking. People say, oh, that, you know, how do you choose love? You choose love by saying, you know what? I'm going to suppress the ego and overwhelm it with this sense of oneness. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. It's a lot to do. It's tough. It really is tough. And I know that I have been, I have wronged myself my entire life. Always have. Um, I've always kind of like engulfed everybody else's energies, which really takes a toll on me. But, you know, it was around, I think, April. I, I, I just sat down, kind of went back through my, my old um, memories and stuff, some things that were good, some things that were bad. But I think the, the most important thing that I found to not only find peace within me, but just peace in general, was forgiveness. And I realized that I did myself wrong and I needed to forgive myself for that. But I also thank myself because I protected myself from other things as well. But at the same time, when I started to forgive people that judged me, I started to forgive people that, that um, you know, did wrong against me um, and everything else. I started to feel better because it's like I took that negativity and put it right back at them. Yeah, I love forgiveness. You hit on a key point, right? Because this whole journey is teaching us this, right? Everything that you go back to your childhood. I go back to my childhood, and it, the the lesson is always the same. I'm learning the same lesson that I was learning in, in preschool, right? Which is forgiveness, right? How to give up my right to be angry, to be vengeful. How to get? Because you know when things happen, you see, you look back at things people did to you. Like, why do you do that to me? And so you look back, and you in in on an ego level. Right on a just, on a human justice level, it's a right to be angry about this, right? Sure. But I'm going to give up my right for anger, for receiving. What is it? What is it that I'm going to receive? I'm going to receive peace, right? And peace is the most powerful tool available to any of us. Mm-hmm. People can substitute the word love for peace; they mean just about the same thing. So I'm going to give up this. I have a right to be angry. You know, think about the injustices that were that as me personally endured. You know, the teasing, the this, the that, that happens very early on in, in, for me, in preschool and high school. And, co- and then you get now, you say, oh my gosh, I'm still learning this lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning. So now I can forgive faster. But there is, but the ego still responds. It still rises up and says, you know, like it woke me up, whatever, you know, on a Sunday morning, really, really early and said, you know, these things are wrong and starts screaming in my head. I say, hey, well, hold, slow down, slow down. <laughs> Already, I, I've already decided to forgive that. Yeah. So that I, I decided to give up my right to be angry so that I can receive this for receiving peace. Let me go back to sleep and get my rest and, and wake up refreshed. And it's a, it, it is a constant work that we have to do on ourselves, but we're so worth it because I'll tell you, if we let the ego abuse us for even 10 minutes, it, we feel drained, we feel sluggish. You know, who wants to exist like that? We, we start to experience anxiety, depression. Mm-hmm. That's all that work of the ego. The ego generates that type of energy. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's a hard one to, to come back from. I mean, once you're drained, you can stay drained unless you know how to release that and feel better about yourself. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of outside forces. This world does not want you to be happy and, 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 and you know, um, have everything that you want and be, uh, you know, well off economically or anything like that. It doesn't want you to do that because that's what life does. Life destroys. But it also has some amazing things about it that will build you up if you know how to tap into it. And it's when you tap into those and try to remove those other ones from you, I think it's, I think it's, a, better, it's a better situation. 
However, I have always used balance in my lifetime as well because I realized that if I had too many good things happening to me all the time, I would take it for granted. I wouldn't, I wouldn't appreciate the people near me that are my true friends. Um, you know, I would, I would, you know, probably break all my phones because, you know what, so what? I have a phone. Great. You know, I didn't appreciate the work that it took me to get that phone. Um, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, too much bad is not good, you know, because it makes you want to kill yourself. And too much good is not good either. I think we need that balance to have a, a more peaceful life. Yeah, we have to go through some bad things in life. Yeah, life is not fair. But that doesn't mean that it's not wonderful at the same time. Yeah, Jason, i got to tell you that I believe the universe agrees with you on that too because I am a person who constantly says, you know, I believe I could handle all good. Just hit me with it. Hit me with all the good. Yeah. And let me let me see. But the universe says, oh, I don't I know you can't. That's why I'm going <laughs> to throw a little curveball in here for you, right? And that happens with all of us. And says, now what I want you to do, and what, what I hear you saying is that the bad helps you appreciate the good. It does. Right? And so maybe we evolve to the point, maybe we evolve to the point where we need less and less bad, that we can stay in this space of gratefulness mm-hmm. for all things. You know, what about being grateful for going to a job that you hate? Or uh, being underpaid. What about being grateful for the marriage or the life, you know, the life partner that you're with that you made a commitment with, but you absolutely want out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying don't move out. I'm just saying, what about moving in love and all those situations? It's difficult to do that for a lot of people because they haven't reached a place where you just so wonderfully articulated, which is that you can see that this stuff that's showing up that feels really horrible is really going to serve you in helping you to appreciate the stuff that feels really, really good. Exactly. And I'll tell you a quick little story. I won't get too long into it, but basically in February, right before the right as the quarantine happened, I think it was in March or something like that, um, what it did was it was a horrible situation. I mean, I was freaking out. I couldn't even get toilet paper, you know, and food. Just forget about it. I didn't even think I was ever going to eat again. But regardless what it did, it made me slow down. And in slowing down, I realized that, you know, for the last 25 to 30 years, I had put off something that was very important and needed my attention. It was festering. And it festered so out of proportion that it was literally getting me sick. And I think it had a severe impact on my MS throughout all these years. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to tackle it right now. I have nothing else to do. You know, so, yeah, it was the worst situation I could have been thrown into. But it made me deal with something that was extremely toxic to my to my mental health, my physical health, and those around me. And in doing so, I had been so much happier because I, I literally destroyed it, you know. And, you know, I have had less and less and less MS flare-ups since then because my body isn't stressed out and, and um, feeling sick all the time. And, you know, we have to deal with that. I didn't want to deal with it. I just wanted to wipe it underneath the rug. You know what? Goodbye. I don't know you. I, you never happened. But I can't do that because it, it's always there. So, you know, sometimes if we do have bad situations, I truly believe that if we use it and find the positive in that situation, things, better things can happen. And we do get that peace of mind. We get that, that sense of uh, self-worth that, that's, it, you know, it's, it's very important for us. And I wouldn't have had that if we didn't have this pandemic. I'd probably still be sick and ready to die. Oh, I love that you are able to connect to that because I think a lot of us that have this degree of consciousness are aware of it. Everyone has um, the ability to be aware of it. But the slowing down piece is so important mm-hmm. that we slow down. I don't care how fast the Internet goes or how quick the speed of light and the speed of sound. That is not the speed at which we are meant to, to move in these physical uh vehicles that we call bodies we have to slow down slow down in the hearing of things slow down in the processing of things slow down in our response to things today when i finished my meditation this morning i had this download that came to me and and i i believe in living in this space but it came in such an interesting way and i wrote in my journal that my only role today and perhaps every day is to become the observer of my life without expectation, right? Yeah. So even as I was, you know, excited to get on this um, interview with you, 
And, you know, I know you as a wonderful guy. We've talked before. But just to be in this space and observe and not say, oh, I have the expectation that this is going to happen. And it's so freeing when we live in that space. At least for me, I'm finding this just, you know, the slowing down. And, you know, I may have turned on the water faucet a thousand and one times in this country. It's a beautiful thing. And I have this expectation that every time I turn that spigot, water's going to come out. But let go of the expectation. Just turn the faucet. Just turn the spigot and observe what happens. It's a beautiful space to live in. We get there as we evolve in our consciousness, as we slow down, consciously slow down. Just because, the, you know, the United States is opening up doesn't mean that we have to decide to reopen our lives at the same pace. Mm-hmm. Go back in slowly and gently. Well, we're running out of time, but I do want to get your topic on this. Like I said, you know, when I there's so much noise out there, and, you know, social media is so negative right now, I don't even really want to get on it. And like I said, when I went on there, I was being attacked for just certain things. And, you know, when you hear that, it, it bothers you. So how do you turn off the noise? Because I know I'm not any of those things. I know who I am inside. Right. I, know I'm, I know that my heart is there for anybody that needs me. I will, I will drop anything to help somebody in need. So, you know, what I was told who I am really wasn't who I am. So how do you stop the noise from influencing your life and, and getting you worked up? Oh, that's such a great question. I want to try to answer it as quickly as I can because both people on both parts and both sides of the argument are saying the same thing. This is not who I am. This is who you're saying that I am, and I want to stop this. So what you have to do is you never have to convince another person of who you are. You have to be, you have to be convinced of who you are. And the only way, well, see, when we respond to someone saying that this is who you are, we know that's not who we are, is because we don't, we don't 100% believe it ourselves. We kind of, there's a small part of it that says, oh, maybe I could. And so that part, that's our only job in that part of this discussion is to silence that voice inside of ourselves and say, you know what, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm this woman. I'm this guy. And to keep reaffirming that I love affirmations, to keep affirming that to ourselves. I don't need to respond to who you say that I am. I need to respond to that part of myself that sparked that saying, could it be true? No, it's not true. And I need to keep affirming that to myself that this is who I am. These are my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what's going on in the external world. This is who I am. This is my belief. Doesn't matter who you think I am because of this or because of that um, circumstances that I cannot control that are beyond my control. This is who I am. These are my beliefs. This is my true north. This is this is the source of my energy. Those affirmations will silence that. And after a while. You know, the same thing could be happening externally. It won't resonate the same way within you. Mm-hmm. Very, very sound advice. And unfortunately, I'm running out of time. I could talk to you for hours. Seriously. You're so much fun oh, to talk to. Nice. And, and you bring that ray of sunshine in through that big, dark, thick, you know, tornado cloud that, that I think everybody needs to hear more of. So please tell me, how can people find you, follow you, and see your messages that you have for the world? Because I think it's important for them to hear. Yes, so if you just Google Drayvon James, you'll open up to my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, my LinkedIn, and right now I'm giving away something absolutely free, which is uh, five ways to tap into your true passions and purpose. If you email me at DrayvonJames at Yahoo.com, that's your free gift. And yes, yeah, so just Drayvon James on all social medias, you'll find me and you'll find the message and you'll we'll connect in love. And there's no better way to connect, is there? So I am so glad you were able to come on to my show again. I, I definitely de- definitely have to have you back again. Uh, your your messages are positive, and you bring a, uh, a revitalizing energy to any conversation, and that's what I love. I feel I feel better just talking to you today, and uh, I, you know that's special. And I hope my listeners feel the same way just listening to you. So thank you for once again for coming on, being that ray of, that ray of sunshine in that really dark storm. And we will definitely try to get you back on soon. Oh, thank you, Jason. Always a pleasure. All right, guys. I hope you had fun. I hope you learned a lot. But unfortunately, we have to go to a quick commercial break. But I will be right back with more after this. Don't go anywhere. I'm Gladdy, the dachshund, the face of Gladdy's goodies. Are you worried about your pet's health? My parents were too, especially since I developed pancreatitis. They couldn't find any treats I could eat, so they made some. Our natural treats are healthy for all dogs, 
with and without health issues. We have lots of delicious flavors like chicken, turkey, salmon, sweet potato, beef, and more. With our homemade treats, you won't worry about the contents because they have no chemicals, fillers, or bad ingredients. Go to gladdiesgoodies.com now to get your fur friend a bag and pick them up some swag while you're there. You'll be glad you did. Remember, we have the treats and swag to make their tails wag. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Hi, I'm Serena Vincent, and you're listening to the A&E Radio Show. Hey everybody, welcome back. We're about ready to close out the show. We got about another 10 minutes left, and I'm going to finish it up with music. Like I said before, we are in a really negative place here in our in our lives. You know, it, we got to get our mind, we got to get our heart, and we got to get our soul in a whole different perspective. And to do that, one of the best ways to do it with, at least in my opinion, is music. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to finish off the show with some uplifting uh, quality music that has a very profound meaning. And I hope that it soothes us. I really do. So, until next week, we are here every single solitary Friday and Saturday. You can find us on amfm247.com and there are 13 AMFM stations every Friday at 10 p.m. and every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. WKLAP.com every Friday at 11 a.m. and every Saturday at 7 p.m. You can also find us on radiolove.com every Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find us on on uh, Spotify, Spreaker, Phoenix Broadcasting, iTunes, and iHeart On Demand. Anytime. If you missed all that, go to our website, go to the Find Us page on the radio section, and you will see it. So let's get some music going. Keep those creative juices flowing. Let's fix our heart. Let's fix our mind. Let's fix our soul. And have a wonderful week. Good night, everybody. There's a place in your heart And I know that it is love as brighter than tomorrow And if you really try You'll find there's no need to cry In this place you feel there's no hurt or sorrow There are ways to get there If you care enough for the living Make a little space Make a better place Heal the world
That's the end. We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.